Daytha, how we doing? Welcome to podcast number 10. Well, another week has flown by. I hope you've had a good week. Um, we had a lovely weekend last weekend, actually. Um, we went over to Lan Idrock Hotel and Golf Club. We've always been members of the National Association of Funeral Directors, and last weekend was the Cornwall Area Dinner Dance. And um, we had a lovely evening. It might sound a bit of a drab affair, really, to have a, a function room there at the hotel full of undertakers for the evening. But I tell you what, we had a, a lovely evening. It was good to meet up with uh, and have a chat with colleagues and friends. So we had a lovely time. After last week's podcast, where I talked about me running and me cycling and that, I thought this week I'd bounce it back again a bit more towards the funeral side of things, really, and talk about coffins and caskets and urns and how things have really changed over the last 30-odd years, well, 39 years since I've been undertaken. In my early days, you didn't have much choice, really. It was veneered oak or solid oak, veneered elm and solid elm. And always in the Wadebridge Padstow area, the veneered oak, always seemed to be the most popular, where just a few miles away up the coast at Port Isaac, we used to help Ian Unney quite a lot, the undertaker there, and veneered elm seemed to be the more popular choice of coffin there. However, with the arrival of Dutch elm disease, that pretty much wiped out the elm, so um, I would say 90% of our coffins then used were veneered oaks, and just about 10% were the solid oaks. Back in those days, um, we would take delivery of the coffins, usually about a dozen at the time, and at Bridge End, we only had one door, and that was the front door. So the delivery van would come and park up on the wide pavement outside, and we'd have to carry the coffins in through the front door. Now, this was back in the times when there was no bypass in Wadebridge and in the summertime, well, the traffic would be queued up all along Eglisale Road. It would take, well, 20 minutes, half hour to get from perhaps Eglisale Church at times over to the level crossing. So um, it was pretty chaotic, really. As we would be unloading the coffins, you would have locals walking past. Some would speed up. As they went past us, others would slow down and you'd get an odd comment like, I hope that one's not for me, or I hope you've got one in my size. But um, in the summertime, as I say, when um, the traffic was queued up, looking at the faces of the holiday makers um, as they were queued up, um, you had different responses there as well, really. Some would smile and point and others would look absolutely horrified to see a coffin being unloaded. Ideally, unloading was a two-man job, but if father was out of the office, then it was all down to me. The veneered oaks aren't overly heavy, really, but they're awkward, so when you're on your own, it is a bit of a struggle to manoeuvre in through the door. I used to go and stack them in the passageway, and then when we'd unloaded them all and the driver had gone, I would mark them off, put a date on them, and then go and open the trap door in the workshop where the coffins would go down a chute 
down into the cellar below. If I was by myself, I did work out a little method where I would get the coffin and put it partway down the hole, but then wedge it there and then walk down the stairs and then I'd just loosen it and it would slide down the chute and I would then put it away. Initially, um, the coffins were just placed around the cellar, but we found that if we were busy or perhaps sometimes, not perhaps out of laziness, but easier, we would look to get a coffin of the size we wanted and it was obviously one of the newer ones, so it was near the front, and we would use that. So we weren't always using them in rotation. So Father and George Lang got together, and they actually made up a lovely framework either side of the cellar so that we could slide each coffin in, and then you could see the date and the size on it, and it just made life a lot easier. On a side note, we did have the production team from... Doc Martin come to see us once because they wanted to shoot a scene in the cellar where the coffins were all stacked and everything. But um, the the chap that came from the crew, he quickly decided against it because he wasn't overly tall, but tis a low cellar ceiling, really, and he kept scatting his head. And, um, well, I can tell you how low it is because is I used to have to clucky down when I was walking around there. So it was um, decided that they wouldn't film there after all. Back then, as today really, we still keep a stock of about 40 veneered oak coffins of all different sizes. So um, we do pride ourselves that um, we've got such a variety of sizes whenever it's needed. Um, with the solid oaks, we used to get them originally from Plymouth up in England. But then we used to get them from a chap called Bill Laurie down at Germo. I first met Bill in the mid-1980s, I suppose it would be, perhaps 86, when I was taking my diploma in funeral directing. And Bill and Tony Enwood of Newquay, they were our two tutors at the time. And we used to meet them every week. Lovely chaps, both of them lovely chaps. And um, I started talking to Bill and... Um, we decided that we would get our, our solid coffins from him. To save me going all the way to Germo each time, it was agreed that I would meet Bill or Tony, his boy, at Hale Rugby Club. So I would get there at the appointed time, and um, I reckon it might have been quite a spectacle, really, to see these two cars side by side, and then um, this heavy coffin lifted out and put in the other one, and back home to Wadebridge I go. On one occasion, we did have a family request that the solid oak coffin be lined with lead. So um, we used the company in Wadebridge, Ernest Derry, the plumbers, and um, up to Chapel Lane I went. Now, it was Mark Enwood who was in the workshop up there who lined this coffin for us. So um, I did message Mark this week because I wanted to just get me facts right kind of thing because... It was in my early days, really, and obviously Mark is a lot older than I am, so um, I thought I would ask him. I remember Gordon Hicks um, working there as well, and he did tell me that um, he, as an apprentice, Gordon showed him how to line a coffin, and then I think he, he did two or three for Ronnie, and then he lined this coffin for us um, when we needed it. On a side note, I do think 
distantly, Mark and me are related by marriage. I, I think it is to do with the um, Henwood side marrying into the Hodge side. I think it was Uncle Les and Auntie M. But, um, yeah, there is a connection somewhere there along the line. Whenever we get the coffins delivered, they're always just the plain shells, and then um, we furnish them inside and out ourselves. So then I think it is really the last five to ten years that... Um, all the different alternative coffins have become available and um, we have such a choice now right the way from cardboard, banana leaf, cocoa stick, wicker, cane, seagrass. Uh, that's just a few examples of, um, you know, the, the coffins that we use today. I think the most popular choice out of this selection of coffins is the seagrass. And um, then after that, I think it is the cardboard, where most people leave the cardboard ones as they are. But you, you do get a few families that will come in for a couple of hours and paint pictures on them, put hand prints or whatever, or even stick photographs or something on the side. So um, anything goes these days, really. Another choice these days is the picture coffin. And this is where the coffin is just covered with maybe one big picture or a mixture of pictures that are actually stuck onto the coffin and the pictures can be supplied by family themselves or there are photos we've got such a catalogue of of different photos and um, we have got a, a coffin display room in our chapel of rest where we've got all of the coffins that I mentioned uh, including a picture one and the one that we've got in our room is um, Padstow Arbor, and it's a fantastic looking thing, really. It's absolutely lovely. As far as containers go for ashes, again, there's such a wide variety. You've got your oak caskets, you've got cardboard tubes with designs and pictures on them, which are quite handy for scattering the ashes with. You've got so many different styles of urns these days but also a lot of bespoke designs and objects which you wouldn't even think that um, there were ashes actually in it. So um, it's such, it's endless really, it really is. So I think that's about it really on coffins etc for this week. I'm sure I'll think of other things directly that um, I could have said. But one thing I meant to say last week, I forgot all about it, was... Um, my visit down to the dentist the week before. So I was being operated on at the dentist by the hygienist Danielle, lovely maid. Um, but she did one of these things that dentists often do. Your your mouth is full of contraptions and they'll ask you a question. And at the time she had this scraping thing in my mouth and a mirror as well. Her mate was there with a, a suction thing hoovering out the back of my throat. And she asked me this question that um, in my line of work, did I believe in ghosts or had I seen ghosts? And so I kind of gargled a reply, which I'm sure made no sense at all. But um, when I got home that evening, it did get me thinking, really. So in all my years, I've never seen a ghost or experienced anything really like that. But um, on so many funerals over the years, strange things have happened things, coincidences, perhaps, I don't know. But um, a lot of things have happened over the years that I'll try and perhaps, as I remember them, I'll slip them in at the end of a podcast or something 
each week and um, try and share them all with you. But the one I'm going to speak about tonight um, is the one that jumped to mind first of all. I was conducting a funeral of this young girl in Wadebridge and we were coming from West Hill direction and we were going to be heading over the bridge. And as we were coming down Eddystone Road, as you can imagine, we were traveling quite slowly. And from the Padstow direction, a swan came over Ed and just flew over the cars, over the hearse, landed in front of the hearse and led us really up to the level crossing, up next to the, the chip shop, um, which is now C. Smith's, which Connor runs now and owns. But before that, obviously, it was Barney's. But back then, it could well have been Lang's Fish and Chip Shop. Now, when we were over Bridge End, I did see the odd swan that um, had lost his way and ended up on the bridge. But I'd never, ever seen a swan in the centre of town. And the way it was so graceful, really, how it was walking in front of us. But as we got up to where the roundabout is now... Um, people could see what was happening and they shooed in the way. So we then headed off. I think it was the cemetery we was going to. And um, when we got there, um, we got out the hearse and um, I went back to the mother of the, the young girl and I said, did he see that? I said, I can't believe that. And I think what made it even more poignant then was that she actually went on to tell us that... Um, they, where they lived, they could actually see the camel and the highlight of this young girl's day was every day just looking for the swans. And for her to say that with what happened, I tell you what, to give us goose pimples that day. On a side note, actually, I think I'd, I'd better explain what the camel is for any of you that are listening in different parts of the country or the world that... Um, don't know Wadebridge very well, you'll think, crumbs, what on earth's happening down there? You've got swans and them landing on camels, what's going on? But um, the camel is actually the river, it is an estuary that um, is here in Wadebridge, and it comes from the old two Cornish words, cam and hail, so it's cam hail, and cam is crooked and hail is estuary, so it's kind of changed a bit over the years. And perhaps just to digress a little bit further after cam ale i could go on and talk about eggless ale and as a lot of you most probably know we we just live a stone's throw from eggless ale church and that comes from the two cornish words eggless which is cornish for church and again hail which is cornish for estuary now i think one of the biggest crimes that um anyone can ever make if they move into the town is to pronounce this wrong and if you pronounce it eggless shale oh my goodness you look out and as you can imagine over the years we've seen many vicars come and go not only here in Wade Bridge but um, all the neighbouring towns and villages that we cover and whenever a new vicar comes to a parish they always have a big service where they're introduced and then Partway through, they'll say a little bit. And whenever they mirror an eggless ale, I tell you what, everybody's waiting with bated breath, as if to say, well, how are they going to pronounce this? And I tell you, if they pronounce it eggless shale, oh my God, there's people nudging and tutting and looking at each other and say, he ain't going to last very long. But um, yeah, all good fun, really. All good fun. 
So there we are. I think that's about it. I've droned on enough, but um, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to talk about next week yet, but uh, something will come to mind. But um, you all have a good week, and I'll see you then. So wish you well, and do get us.